Hey guys, it's Dr. Boca from Unpolished Therapy. We have a wonderful episode today. Rachel and I are meeting with a guest who is going to tell us the nitty gritty on Ozempic Manjaro and do a follow-up from the previous episode that we've done. So stay tuned to get all the dirt. What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silvercone. So you know what that means. It's another episode where we have ditched the couch, grabbed the mics. We are breaking down all the unpolished wreckage on the corner of Audacity and Advice. This would not happen without the one and only DB, Dr. Boca. She puts the un in unpolished just along with me. So good morning, Dr. Boca. How are oh my you? God, that was such a nice welcome. Thank you. I'm doing well. And I'd like to say I put the silent F in front of the un. So it's like fun. But I oh. think it's actually you who does that. You like that? That was a little witty, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, Yes, Prayer. I do like that. Thank yeah. you. Thank okay, you. Good for you. Say so I'm excited. What's okay. going on? What do we got? Fun polish therapy. There you okay. go. It's, okay. it's silent F, but like okay. it's there okay. in parentheses. You got it. You Thank got you. it. Okay, so we have something super fun today. And we are going to just jump right in because I know we kind of gave away a little bit on the intro. But all of these months that we have been whispering and chit-chatting and making up our own unpolished opinions, if you will, on this whole Ozempic Manjaro, the whole shenanigans when it comes to all these people that all of a sudden are an eighth of their size and no one's really kind of willing to admit it unless we're beating it out of them. We have one of my favorite people, one of my favorite unpolished people who was bold enough and ballsy enough and brassy enough to come on the air and chat with us and really give us the nitty gritty on what goes on behind the scenes, not just the rumors. And we are breaking down the wreckage that is the quasi misinformation, okay, on Ozempic Manjaro, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, Jennifer, thank you so much for stepping up and hanging on the corner of Audacity and Advice today with us. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to dispelling all the myths. You are going to debunk all the drama, right? Yeah. And I think it's awesome because I know that when Rachel and I did our previous episode on this, it was still very, well, maybe not new for the whole world, but it was like new for Rachel and I. And we had talked to a doctor and we had gotten some information and we had a lot of questions. And I know that we were both left after the episode kind of feeling like we need more. We need more. We need to understand this more. So thank you so much for coming out and being loud and proud about, I guess we should first ask, is it Ozempic? Is it Manjaro? Is it Wagovi? Is it a semi-glutamide blah, blah, blah that you're on? Like, what is it? It's Manjaro now. I started on Ozempic for about six weeks in the very beginning. I guess it's been over a year now. I think it was 2022, but it's been Munjaro for the last over a year. If I could back up for one minute, if you could give us maybe just the broad-based landscape a little bit of how we even got to the point where you said, you know what, hold on, there's something new in town and I want to try it. So Give us a little bit about your backstory on the reasons that this was something that provoked your interest. 
you know, I've struggled my whole life with whatever amount of pounds, anywhere from 10 pounds to 15 pounds to after I had my kids to 60 pounds, up 30, down 20. It was never a, it was a torture. It was constantly a torture and a battle to stay thin or be thinner or be healthy. So, and so my group of friends, same thing, constant. It's all we talked about. You know, we said a zillion times, we could have cured cancer a hundred times over if we devoted one eighth of the amount of time (laughs) we spent thinking about how thin we needed to be, what we weren't eating, what we were going to eat, misery, uh, what are you going to eat at this party? I'm done. I'm sick of it to something more important like curing a disease. And then I had heard about this, believe it or not, from a psychiatrist who is a family member's doctor and had mentioned about a year before that about Ozempic. And he's very matter of fact and very practical. And he's like, this works. But I never, it wasn't to me. And I I never really thought about it. Just the idea of getting on a medication that, and then I was in the Cayman Islands two years ago and some story came out on the Today Show. And I called my friend in New Jersey and I said, what is this? What's going on? And she is a healthcare worker, was working with someone who said, yeah, this is a thing. And then the next thing you know, we were scrambling to try to figure out to get, you know, to get appointments with her, to set ourselves up. And it felt like almost like you're swimming in jello. Like, how can I get to this fast Mm -hmm. enough? But so that's, that's how it started. Let me ask you this though. Um, First of all, I mean, I don't even have to say, I want you to be honest because I know that's who you are, but I wonder initially with all of the carrying on with your girlfriends, what am I wearing? What are we doing? How do we eat before we go to the event? And I get that. I'm like that too. And I know probably most of our listeners can relate to that, but in all the years of your struggle, was it because you were doing the ritualistic societal, were you going to the gym? Were you eating healthy? Were were you doing what you were supposed to do, quote unquote, and it wasn't working? Or were you just like one of those people who was like, all I do is think about food and what are we eating? And I'm studying the menu ahead of time, but you weren't doing the, the natural, I guess, work to try to lose whatever weight you thought you needed to lose. I'm going to be honest with you and say that there are periods, I'm 58 years old. There are periods of time where I certainly was working out, doing this, eating the right foods. But the problem is, is that if unless you struggle with this, you don't understand that it is on your mind all the time, either how good you're going to be or how bad you were. And I can tell you every morning I would wake up and my first thought was, was I good yesterday? And Mm. I couldn't stand it. It's like your whole life becomes about this. And listen, I am not going to tell you that like I wasn't set up for that kind of thought process, you know, listen, we all want to blame our mothers. You know, my mother was on a diet forever. Everybody was always on a diet. We were in a di- on a diet in high school. We were this. But there's a level of expectation when you're a pretty girl about what you're supposed to look like. And you feel like you're trying to live up to that. And then you're out of high school, you're out of college. And like, it was like a weird, crazy mindset of, I'm not supposed to look like this. I mean, I got to a Mm. point where at one point I had gained like seven, 60 pounds, like somewhere after I had, you know, my second kid. And all of a sudden you turn around and there you are and you look at yourself and I would see myself in a picture and I'd say, who is that? All I wanted Mm -hmm. to do is unzip myself and run away because I mean, I was the voted most prettiest girl in eighth grade. It's a weird expectation to have to live up to. It sounds weird and dumb, but it really is. 
It doesn't. I, I mean, think, I don't think it sounds weird. Yeah, so much of the eating disordered and body image and body dysmorphic population all starts because of the social expectations and the societal expectations and comparing ourselves to others and the words that we heard our own parents say to themselves when they looked in the mirror. So not only is it what's happening in Hollywood and looking at those pretty people, but also what was happening in our house when somebody was overweight or somebody wasn't eating well and how did they talk to themselves. So it is a very real thing and it is a very typical thing for this background, these environments. There's a lot of competition, whether it's body image, body weight, whether it's money, whether it's status, whether it's homes, whether whatever it is, it's a very, we compare ourselves whether we are intentionally doing it or not. And so please, we hear it and we know that it's real and we're sorry that you struggle with it. And we're, at least I am, I don't want to speak for Rachel. I'm thrilled that you're going to be telling us about something that has seemed to have been helpful for you. And so I see Rachel like biting at the bit, but or chomping at the bit. So I'll let her ask a question, even though I really wanted to. It's you're, okay. You're going to ask the question. I just want to comment on something you said that struck me oh, interesting. Okay. okay. And then, no, no, questions are going right back to D-Bay. Okay. What I found interesting, Jen, is that when you were saying when you were in eighth grade, you were voted prettiest or whatever. And just yesterday, and this is what I love about Unpolished Therapy, that we're unscripted. Things just kind of happen as they happen. Just yesterday, my son, who is a current senior in high school, he came home and he showed me the list of we're down to the top three in each category of the superlatives for wow. senior superlatives. And he lists what they were. And yeah, some of them are the same from when we were growing up. But some of them are so different. The ones that we, our generation, would think would just be staple across the board, they've extrapolated out, i.e. prettiest, Mm -hmm. right? Most handsome, most likely to succeed. And to me, it's just interesting because we're living in a world now where like everyone is so competitive, right? But yet our generation is trying to help this new generation. Like, I guess it must not be politically correct to ask kids to vote on who do you think is prettiest? Who do you think is most handsome? And I just got a kick out of that because that was a throwback to memory lane over senior superlatives. So just wanted to say that. And for the record, you are still gorgeous. Gorgeous. There you go. Gorgeous. Okay, so let's just for our listeners to set the path for where we're going. When you started this current journey, originally on the Ozempic and then on Manjaro, how much overweight would you say you were two years ago? I was about 30, anywhere from 35 to 36, 37 pounds heavier than I am now. Okay. So for me, you know, all I did was look in the mirror and see that I was fat. That was it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, everybody, it's it's relative. You know, some but some people may say, but it's just as difficult to lose five pounds as it is mm-hmm. to lose thirty five pounds. So for me, I was thirty five, but that was then. But during COVID, I was probably forty pounds heavier. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it varied. Okay. I, we just I just wanted our listeners and Rachel and I to have an understanding of where what the starting point is because I'm sure we're going to talk about the success as we go on and I wanted people to be able to paint that picture. So you guys are having the fight over the cabbage patch kid trying to get the medication, right? And you guys are like killing each other in the process and then you get it. And 
tell us about that process. Tell us about the fact that you started on the Ozempic and what was going on. What like what happened for you? So we were able to work out the kinks, the minutia of getting an appointment with this doctor. And all you wanted to do was be worthy because she was a doctor out of a different state. And so it was all brand new back then. So when we had the Zoom meeting, I had to have taken a blood test and, you know, sent it on and all that stuff. And she wrote the script and several of us were doing it at the same time together. We ended up getting it out of Canada because Mm -hmm. it was gettable and it was less expensive. So Eli Lilly, Mm -hmm. was it Eli Lilly or Novo Nordisk? I think, I think Novo Nordisk was, um, was Manufacturing. Yeah, they had a coupon here. And so you were able to get it for $25 a month. You had to be, you had to have insurance, but your insurance wasn't certainly going to cover anything. But I think what the point was, was that they wanted everybody to be pinging their insurance companies because your insurance company would know that you were getting it from the pharmacy, but they certainly weren't covering it. But all of a sudden, they were going to be pinged with like, mm-hmm. oh, look, look who's, you know. So I think at the very beginning, I might have gotten it. So, you know, I'm a little further away from it now. But but then we started getting it from Canada because it was less expensive. Was there any fear, even though the reward, I'm sure you could see the direct line that all of a sudden you're going to get to be that skinny girl that maybe I think of you as skinny, but for you and your own internal narrative, if I do this, I'll get skinny again. But how much time and energy did you put into what the hell am I doing here? Am I going to be a trailblazer on something that nobody knows about? There's no research. This is brand new. Do I really want to be a guinea pig? At that point, you could have injected me with liquid crayons. I was, you know, <laughs> and, and, and by the way, all of my friends too. I'm going to speak for all of them. And then I'll tell you something interesting after that. Because when those first few like Today Show creepings were coming out, doctors were behind it. The backlash didn't happen until everyone just the 24-hour news cycle and one person had a stomach ache. And so then every doctor was on TV going, oh, here's the drawbacks. But in the beginning, the doctors were behind it. And any doctor that we had actually spoken to, all were talking about the benefits, which I find interesting because even Dr. B, I remember after the last podcast, you mm-hmm. you did speak to a doctor and I think you were surprised that that yep. doctor was very for it. Mm-hmm. So I think you were expecting a different answer. And, yes, and 100%. They, Yeah. And they were very pro it. So I wasn't, we weren't sure what was going to happen, you know, because remember we were guinea pigs. So I wasn't sure like, you know, how long it was going to take or if it was really going to happen, but we were so willing to try anything because you just have an idea of who you are in your mind. And it wasn't me 40 pounds from this. So you're just willing to try it and see what happens. You know, I mean, listen, you're about to inject yourself with something. I mean, you you know, you're, how desperate are you at that point? You're desperate. Yeah, well, it's something that you really want. And sometimes we throw caution to the wind because we want to get that because that's what's going to hopefully be better than sitting in in the muck that you felt like you were sitting in. So the question that I have is when you're talking to this doctor, whether it's via Zoom or you flew up to wherever it was, what did they say to you? Did they give you any expectations? Did they tell you what the contraindications are? Did they tell you how long you were going to be on it? What to expect? Anything? Or were you like, here's your drug, go? Um, I think that at that point, she was naive about it as well. But it had been... 
people were using it. People were using Ozempic for years. It's a drug that's been out for yep. years. So in the beginning, she was a little more forthcoming about it. But after a while, she was not comfortable doing it because some of us were out of state. And I mean, we were almost willing to like, I mean, I'm from up there. So like, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, the next time I'm there, I'll come in. If we were like, whatever we need to do. But shortly thereafter, we found a diet doctor in Miami who was a legitimate diet doctor, like an old fashioned 70s Park Avenue diet doctor who was out of Miami. And that's when we all switched over to the Mujaro. So, okay, that's right. That's right. There was no coupon for Ozempic. I'm sorry, because it was a while ago. The coupon was with Munjaro. The Ozempic we were fully getting from Canada. And it was legitimate. It was just, you know, they were socialized medicine there. It was was less expensive. So we all switched over to this diet doctor. And that was about a month and a half into it. And I had already lost probably about 10, 12 pounds. Wow. So here's a question for you. And maybe you can speak on behalf of like the gaggle of girls that you guys all kind of did this as like a project together. I don't know who's married, who's not married, who cares about the opinions of parents or other maybe medical professionals within their sphere of influence being even family members. Was there ever a dialogue because... the the narrative was something, even though we hadn't gotten to the naysayers yet, but because it was still just new, right? So just by the nature of it being something brand new, was there any influence or anyone's minds you needed to change? Like, was your husband on board with you on this? Did you get resistance from anyone? Or was everyone just like, hey, Jen, go for the gusto and can't wait to see you 40 pounds from now? Let's put it this way. Once I started to lose weight, I called every single friend I ever had who struggled with weight and said, I'm going to change your life for you. Between me and another friend or two, we have probably built an indoor swimming pool for that diet doctor in (laughs) Miami. And I'm not not kidding you. Because he was taking patients from, you know, that weren't just necessarily in Florida. So I have literally probably sent 20 people to him. So the women who struggled with a body image or a body ideal, or I used to be like athletic, I used to be thin, I used to be, you know, whatever. And now I've had kids and I'm that, and everybody that's ever struggled because you're all like in the same, you're in the same club. You're looking Mm -hmm. for the shirt and, you know, it became like your closet became like, what do I look the least fat in? Mm. And so I literally, I said, and that's what I would say. I'm like, I'm going to change your life for you. I have a friend whose daughter was very, very, very overweight. And I called my friends and, and, you know, we were the closest of friends. And I said, listen, I said, you know, talk to your daughter because I want to have a conversation with her. And I was like, if you're happy and you know, whatever, but if you're not come talk to me because this is going to change your life. And it did. She lost like 60, 70 pounds. Her whole life changed. It made a difference. As far as having to convince anyone, my husband, you know, I love my husband, but he knows better than to stand in my way of whatever. <laughs> Well-trained. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, you know, he didn't, you know, he just wanted me to like probably stop complaining and stop going, you look so fat and this, you know, whatever. Right. So it, there was nobody to have to really convince because most, like you sort of surround yourself with people that are similar to you. Mm-hmm. So most of us struggled some way. I love that hears somebody who's going through this process and is feeling so good about it and wants to share it with so many people because you want to make a difference in their life. I'm not a gatekeeper. I I have never been a gatekeeper. Ask me anything and I'll be like, you too could have this. It's at the corner of Davenport and Maine in a little (laughs) store. Yeah. So, you know, it's important. 
And that's one of the things I love about you and why you fit so well into this unpolished platform of ours, because we now, again, a year or two into the whole Ozempic hype, we see two different camps, right? Mm-hmm. We see the what the people that are on it, but would deny it till the day they die. Okay. And that's the piece that bothers me. And why I want to boost you up that you're now saying, look, I have a shiny penny and I'm not hoarding it for myself. I want to share it with those that I know would also appreciate and find value in the shiny penny versus then, and we can get to this in a minute, but the whole other camp of people, and I'll throw myself under the bus, I can't relate to my entire life being overweight. I was always, you know, negative zero. And I didn't sit on the couch eating potato chips and staying that way. I worked my ass off and have my own mental ridiculousness over the ideology of making sure I stay thin and fit and trim and all that. The irony, and Dr. Boke and I have talked about this, is that people like me and the coincidence of timing of life that now Mm -hmm. here we are in our early 50s, our Bodies naturally are slowing down from a metabolism standpoint. The perimenopause, like, I mean, perimenopause and I are not friends <laughs> at all. And here I am having a temper tantrum in my closet every single time I get dressed because I'm not what I was. So while I would like to say that I'm, you know, part of the sisterhood of the traveling pants and I want to rally for my friends. I just want them, A, to be honest about what they're doing and then B, figure out like all of a sudden, like, how did I become the fat girl in this mess? You know, (laughs) so I I don't know if you can speak to that. And I don't know what happens in your world now that the quote unquote, and I say this lovingly, but like now the fat girls are the skinny girls and the skinny girls, their whole lives are now like the C minuses. (laughs) Well, first of all, that's not true. But I mean, you're you're gorgeous. And but I'm going to compare it to something of an insecurity that you might have had, you know, your whole life. Like I used to be in a career where I ended up a lot of times having to speak in front of a lot of people. Some people, that's their greatest fear. It never mm-hmm. bothered me. There's might be a, a an insecurity that you've had that I might not relate to, but you know, and I'm sure that from your ends, like there might be like a little inkling because I, I've noticed it on TV with women who have suffered publicly with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Everybody has come out and been like, you know, like like lunatics about those of us who've lost weight the cheating way because they struggled their whole life to to attain this size. And now here comes a bunch of girls who've been, you know, whatever and lost and, oh, they're 10 pounds. And then all of a sudden, they're all of a sudden become this big diabetes spokesperson. Well, what about the people who needed it for their, and my feeling is sharing something does not take away from me. You know what I mean? Like I come from a solid, stable, good self-esteem background. You know, it doesn't take anything away from me to share it. I'm a girl's girl. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like I wanted everybody, you know, and the funny thing is, is you're right. Everybody is two pounds. My brother who lives in Long Island told me there is not a fat girl left in Roslyn. So it's like, (laughs) 
But then, so how do you respond then? I mean, obviously it's not your personality, but how do you respond then to the ones who want to hoard it for themselves and not share? We laugh at them because, you know, anybody, because everybody that's had to lose weight or struggle to lose weight knows that it's an up and down thing. Sure. You diet, you kill yourself, you're dieting, you've lost 10, 12 pounds, you go to Weight Watchers, you sit at Weight Watchers, all of that stuff. But then all of a sudden you're like, Ugh, I don't want to do this anymore. So it's, it's, there's never like a beginning and then a very long term weight loss until you're at the end. This is a continuous success platform. So that's what, you know, so you know, anybody that you know in your lives right now that used to be 40 pounds heavier, you can be assured is on this because nobody is that successful on their own. Because while it, I know you can't relate when you have a, an eating disorder, I guess I'm going to call it in one way or another, it's difficult. One thing can set you off. Somebody hands you a, a cookie and you're like, I don't know if we're allowed to curse, but like, you can. Oh, we are, okay. <laughs> we are curse you're away. Right. So <laughs> I, you, you're like, fuck it, you know, and that leads to chi potato chips. And then like your whole life, you know, it's about planning the food and, and going on like a girl's trip and like, what are we going to bring and what are we going to eat? So no one is that successful. It would be nice. But that leads to another question, right? And the, the question that I have is, so, okay, so all these girls are skinny and they found their miracle cure and they're feeling really good. Does the other insecurities now pop up? Are we really over that? Do we look in the mirror and say, I'm still not pretty or I still have more to go? And is that what we're starting to see? Like the um, Sharon Osbournes was like, I just kept going and going and going. And now I realize I'm too skinny, right? Like, does that happen? Do we, are we happy? Did we finally find, you know, that wish? Like if I was just skinny, I would be happy. Did we find that? is, I guess, the question that I want to know, because I think it's an important piece that some of our listeners might want to kind of wrap their head around. Um, I think that it's like a yes and no thing. It's almost like somebody's like people that say money can't buy happiness. And I say, yes, it can, because it gives you a choice. <laughs> it's not like, but it's like this too. I am thrilled to be thin. And I have to tell you, there's a natural stop. Like, like I haven't lost probably any significant amount of weight in probably, uh, I don't know, like maybe like eight months, you know, like you get to a point. Yes. Maybe some people get way too thin and I've had, and believe me, I've had my share of my mother going, you know, you're really very thin. <laughs> you were too fat. Now way, you're too thin. You can't win with way, them. She's on it. Right. <laughs> My mother. So y yes, but yeah, I mean, listen, there's other insecurities that you have, but, but that just comes from age. And all of a sudden you're like, eh, I don't like this or, eh, you know, I hate my nose and, and you wanted to have, you know, I, so I did a couple of things, but I'm very happy. I don't wake up in the morning and say, what am I going to look the least fat in? I'm thrilled mm -hmm. to put on a size 24 or 25 jeans. And yeah, it, I mean, I'm fucking thrilled. 24. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. So I have to, you just said, and to our listeners, you said it very quietly. So I hope I'm not calling anything out, but you said I did a couple of things because I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, oh, you know, all I've been hearing about is the saggy skin being the dead giveaway, you know, the ozempic face or, or what have you. Is that actually a side effect, a true side effect? And is that something that you did struggle with? 
I am very lucky. I did not have that. I, I had my nose done and I had my, uh, you know, I had uh, like, I did my top eyelids, but that wasn't because of the weight loss. Mm-hmm. I'd always wanted to have my nose done. And my eyelids, I just like, you know, listen, during COVID, you got nothing else to do, but look at yourself in the mirror. Sure. So I was like, why does my eyeliner keep ending up under my eyebrows? You know, like, and you're <laughs> like, you don't realize it. And there's nothing more horrific and revealing than going to a plastic surgeon's office and them taking those pictures of you. If you don't sign up for everything, like they're smart there. It's not a worse picture you can take of your entire life. You're like, turn it off and like sign me up. But you know, you know, I do like whatever fillers and Botox, but not overly. I am very lucky. I've always, I have good skin. I mean, yeah, someday I want to have a facelift. Like 90% of the other rest of my Boca brethren. But yes, some people do are very drawn. I happen to have been lucky and I I don't think that I have that. So no, you don't. I'm I'm looking at you and you don't. But I was curious of your little gaggle of girls, if there were some specific side effects that were the result of, and when I say side effects, both the medical side effects, if there were any medical side effects, but also was there any, you know, like when you go for Botox and you get your Botox done, then you notice, oh, wait, I might need a little bit of filler there to offset now that it's lifted a little bit. And then you do the filler and then you're like, oh shit, but that just made my under eyes look worse. And it's like trying to finish the puzzle here. So was there any offset of the the medication that now had to be quote unquote fixed? I would say no. I would say that and all of that medication talk does happen, but that's just a product of age. I mean, I don't, you know, you guys are probably a little bit younger than I am, but you know, listen, there aren't many of us who don't want to look the best they can be. I'm not trying to look 30. Mm-hmm. I'll take 55. I'll take 50. I, you know, I don't or know. you just want to be the best version of yourself at 58 and wear it loud and proud. Exactly. So th- I think those issues come from age, not from the medication. Yes, there are people who do look very drawn, but I have to tell you something. I'm one of the first people that noticed that with Octavia. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like yes. you, like I yes. would see those Optavia women and I'd be like, they look like they, they have to zip out and yes. try on a new skin. But yes, I see that it, it happens to people with this who go overboard, but not the women. So a lot of women that are my friends have had facelifts. So it kind of wasn't a thing, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are, but not for me. There are other things, your skin on your body. There's nothing I can do. I think I look a lot better dressed than undressed. Although I have some good, you know, areas, but your skin does sag. And that's also from age. And that's also, you know, you need to put muscle back in, you know, so there is some things. Well, I appreciate yeah, just, you. And I'm processing that too, because as you're like, oh, wait a minute, there's other body parts. Now I'm like, all I do in my head is like, yeah, no fucking shit. My crepey skin and my this and my that. And, and none of that was there years ago. So it's like it all kind of compounds at once. And at least that's kind of my angle. And again, I am a girl's girl. So I want to marvel and I want to lift up the people who are doing things certainly for the right reasons. I don't want them doing it for the wrong reasons. I just can't stand the secret society of I used to be a size 42 plus plus, And now all of a sudden I'm in double zero. But what do you mean? mean? I, I, I don't know. I just I've been exercising a little bit Stress. more like the hell you are. And I just would like them to be a little bit more authentic. The thing that I love about you, Jen, is that, and I'm going to share with the audience, that the way that you and I connected, ironically, or probably not, is that through our shared love of 
food and charcuterie boards and like, you know, maybe also joking around about the fact that like, really like charcuterie has become like an entire business. Like it's a fucking piece of brie and grapes and throw it on a plate and voila. Right. So I wonder your love and passion of food and and being a foodie and eating out. How has that changed or not as a result of your success on these drugs? So one of the benefits of Munjaro is that it slows digestion from your stomach. So food stays in your stomach longer. So you can't eat as much as you can. Like when I was little, my parents would say to me, like, don't have big eyes. But now I do. Oh my God, because you guys are like twins. This is your birth twin, Rachel. Know, it's not your brother. I, this is I your know. birth twin. She's my spirit animal here. I'm telling you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that is like Rachel what? to a T. Is that what your parents would say to you? Is that? Yeah. Well, like my grandmother would be like, Kenahara, I mean, leave some for somebody else, you know? <laughs> and then she made me feel like I was a fat shit. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was, so now that's what it is. Cause I'm like, we're used to, my husband and I are the type that will go to the, whatever restaurant, we're always the orderers for everyone. And the big joke is that it's for the table. It's for the table. <laughs> we need a fried zucchini for the table, two orders of baked clams for the table. We, right. So. I mean, I want all of that still, but I could only eat a little bit of it. Some days, you know, I guess depending on your body chemistry, you're hungrier than others. Maybe towards the end of the time where you're supposed to take your next shot, you might be a little hungrier. But also, you don't have cravings for those types of things. Maybe I have a bite or two of cake. Or if I had a piece of chocolate, sometimes I don't even feel well. It's too rich. A lot of people lose like any kind of thing for sugar. So you're eating a whole lot less. And sometimes it's annoying because you you go somewhere and you want to eat it all, but you you just can't. So I just can't imagine being at the table and not taking the loaf of hot, beautiful bread and wanting to glom it in the sauce of the baked clams and like just <laughs> go bananas. Are you saying that you're like, nah, I'm good. Someone else can have it. Cause I'd be like, dude, pass that shit over here and I'm licking the plate now. Oh no, well, I still will do that. But what happens is if I eat the bread with the butter and by the way, I am, and then I'm zipping it into the baked clams. And like, I unfortunately, and I think about this a a lot, I pack every like course of a meal, like it's the one, it's like the last last one. one. (laughs) You're like, you're going in the chair. (laughs) Exactly. So if I eat like four pieces of bread with butter on it and baked clam juice or whatever, by the time anyone's like, I'll know now, maybe I'll share something with somebody. I can only have a few bites of that other thing, but I'm not not eating the other stuff. But there are times where you just don't want it or you don't care, but you still, it's psychologically, it's something you eat. You want to eat it, you know? Yeah. And so it's more like a grazing, it sounds like. Like I can have a little bite of everything, but I can't put too much in because then I'll feel like I am so full that you're going to have to roll me out of here. So what I've also heard about this is that some people, they don't learn how to eat. So they're using the medication and they're losing the weight, but they're not really learning like nutritional habits. And so when they go off of it, they gain back the weight. I guess I have two questions. One, is that true? Have you ever tried going off of it and experienced that or have any of your girlfriends experienced that? And the other one is, I guess, do they coach you on how when you start this to nutritionally balance the fact that you're not able to consume as much food? And are there certain supplements or certain things that you're told you need to 
consistently get into your diet because otherwise you're going to go into malnutrition. So I don't know if you're going to love me answering this or hate me answering this. When we did have the consultation with the diet doctor, he did go through his whole plan. Mm -hmm. We asked him to death. We listened, whatever. But when you sat through like Pythagorean theorem, theory, theory, did you learn that? We learned, I've been on a diet my entire life. I've sat for a year at Weight Watchers. My feeling is this. I am not here to validate somebody else's idea of what I learned or didn't learn. It doesn't make me a better person to have learned something that you, Mm -hmm. I don't mean you. I don't don't mean you. I mean, I don't understand. The the proverbial. The proverbial you. you, That somebody else thinks that I need to be good enough or I need to be deserving by doing it the hard way. If I found a way to make my life easier and better, I certainly know that I should be eating a turkey sandwich before I was on this rather than a pastrami sandwich. I know that I should probably never eat bread again. But that learning thing doesn't do anything when you have triggers in your brain, you know, in your brain saying you don't want it. So my feeling is, is that I, if I went off, I know exactly what I'm supposed to eat and not eat. But whether or not I actually do that is another mm-hmm. story. Right. No, and, that's and honest. Dr. Roka, don't I say that to you all the time? When we had Lissa Weiss on, mm-hmm. who was the food guru, if you will, on the skinny girl diet and teaching people how to get away from their bad boyfriend food, I was like, dude, I know eating 72 Oreos is probably not the best route. But if I want it, I want it. So I completely relate to like, read it in the textbook, follow one through seven and, and voila. But that's not reality. Mm -hmm. Should know, you know what? I'll have the white meat turkey, hold the rye bread. I I don't need the Russian dressing. And then you leave and you're like, that was like the worst lunch ever. Like, why would I want that? Mm -hmm. Right? The one thing I'm going to ask you, Jennifer, is I love in the beginning, because this is what's so relatable to so many of the listeners out there, that we have always equated food, good food, bad food, right? Like I remember waking up in the morning and remember as of seven hours ago, because I still do it. And before I open my eyes, I'm like, was I good yesterday or was I bad yesterday? And it like the mm-hmm. mindset and we're our own worst enemies, even if now you know, the two in me feels like that's someone else's, you know, 12 or 14. But when I was a zero, like it doesn't matter. It's my thing. Right. So it's like, was I good? Was I bad? How, and, and it gauges my whole mindset for the day. I wonder now with the success you've had, do you still play that disgusting loop in your head the way that I do? Or has that dissipated? It's dissipated a lot, but I still, what I'll do is I'll say, oh, you need to start eating better. You know, you, mm-hmm. you like you healthier for that. Because I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm sure that somebody wants me to say, I'm eating lettuce with, you know, lemon juice on it and whatever. I'm not. I'm eating mm-hmm. whatever I want right. in small amounts. And sometimes I'm eating lettuce and sometimes I'm good, but a lot of times I'm not. And so the only the loop I play is, oh, that's, you know, I should, now I'm worried about my health. Before that, I wasn't, <laughs> you know, you're young enough that you mm-hmm. can say like, I, you know, I used to tell my trainer, I'm like, I don't care. I, just, I you know, I don't care about healthy. I just want to be thin. That's what it is. Sorry to say, but that's what it is. But so now sometimes I'll worry like, ugh, stop eating whatever. You don't need that. It's just not good for you. So, mm-hmm. but, the, but the, am I good enough loop? That is 
That's gone. Quieted. Well, it's they've quieted. They quieted. Yeah, they've also said though that the medication they're finding is really good for that obsessive thinking and those compulsive behaviors that whether it's addiction of any sort and food is an addiction. So if you conceptualize it that way, that is what this medicine is like. It's the secondary benefit of it. Yes, people are losing weight, but it's that constant tape recorder of shame or compulsion, you know, to do or to act it out or to manage it. And you don't have those obsessive thoughts. So it's a win-win almost. And they're starting to use this for other addictive behaviors, which is great. I mean, we could really have a society where we have no obesity and we all know the financial ramifications as a society for obesity and what it does to our self-esteem and our self-worth. But also if we didn't have gambling and pornography and, you know, sexual addictions and we didn't have people preying on little kids sexually and stuff like that, that would be amazing, right? So there are a lot of good things that do come from this besides just the weight loss. And so I'm happy to hear that you've had that benefit as well. What do you say to the people out there? And if I ask this question, forgive me, but I guess I forgot. <laughs> I, I like to be like Ozempic brain, but it's not. It's the menopause brain, right? Mm -hmm. So the two-part question. One, what would you say to the people out there that are having tremendous success like yourself, but the difference is that they're pretending that they're not on any type of medication to get there? And number two, what are your thoughts on the fact that somehow it seems as though our age bracket for the women who are on the medication, somehow it seems as though they've completely bypassed, no pun intended, but all of the menopausal side effects that we do struggle with, one of which is the pooch pounds. So, you know, it's a, we have a running joke with my friends and I, like someone will send me a picture of a celebrity and we say Ozempic for just everything. I mean, even if whatever it is, but we're like definitely Ozempic. You know, I, I mean, there's celebrities that you that you know and and seen or that you know have struggled or whatever it is. Here's some of the women say like, oh, it's peptides or oh, it's this or whatever. Well, that, that's what it is. It's peptides. That's another name for for this medication. So listen, your skin is your skin. I had a tummy tuck in 2012, so I'm lucky. I got a flat stomach. Listen, I'll tell you what's good on me, and then I'm going to tell you what's horrible on me. My leg skin is awful, <laughs> my knees. I have a fabulous from here down. You know, it, it, it's great. But like, I wouldn't walk around in a bathing suit where my legs showed. So there are things that we're all suffering from, from the menopause, whatever it is. And people do what they can afford to do or what they want to do or whatever. But I say that everyone has to like go their own journey. Like we might snicker and say like, who do you, like we know, because we're in the struggle with you. You lost mm -hmm. 70 pounds without stopping in the middle. You know, you didn't gain 10 back and start over again. We all know. And, and of course, you know, it's just everybody's suddenly very thin and not everybody obviously does it or would do it, but people are like sort of, and they want to snicker and they want to say whatever. I don't care. I You're am happy. happy. I'm happy that I'm wearing my little jeans, that I look good, that I, whatever it is. And there's nothing to, you know, they want to keep it a secret. You know what I mean? Like we can, like the three of us can send texts back and forth to each other and say, are you? kidding me like you know that so-and-so is whatever but like what are we gonna do we're gonna say to them I don't like it because I am so honest I feel like you, you know in order to know me like I don't I mean like you don't have to tell everything about yourself but like when you have a friend or somebody that you know like I feel like it's weird like if somebody if I know you lost 80 pounds with 
what I think is uh, some help and then you're not admitting it, that just makes me think you're like a liar. So I don't... Right. Well, yeah, it's a violation of the friendship and the trust and the bond that you've built over the years. That's the one thing now you're just all of a sudden going to have an elephant in the room and not talk about. Well, and also I've got to imagine as a person who's using the medicine, right, for someone to say that they didn't almost feels judgmental to you or critical of the way that you're doing it, even though you know they're doing it the exact same way. It's like, you know, be proud of the fact that this is your body and you've made this choice to do it. And look, there are health benefits. You know, I can tell you people who have bad knees, bad hips, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, this all reduces that for a lot of them. Now, the part that you haven't said, and you've been fortunate, forget the ozempic skin and that part of it, but a lot of people have said that the nausea and some of the stomach pains that they've had or the diarrhea or constipation has been so overwhelming that they've had to go off the medication. It sounds like you've been blessed and not have to, not had to have experienced that but I have heard that. I don't know if you have or if any of your friends experienced any of that. We all have had like various situations with our stomach. I, constipation is an issue, but you know, I take magnesium every day and that like, if you keep up with that, then you can, you know, you can sort of head it off. Um, And listen, there are some adverse side effects. I mentioned to you guys before, I've lost a lot of hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it seems like I have a lot of hair, but I have lost a tremendous amount of hair. And so has many, many people that I know that. And and originally, if you go on like the pages, like Facebook, you know, there was a page like Munjaro for weight loss, or, you know, people will show you clumps of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lost a lot of hair in the beginning w- during menopause. Also, mm-hmm. I also think I lost hair having COVID. I'm not entirely sure, but people will say to you, I had gastric bypass and I lost a lot of hair, but Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, like there's been times I did lose like about 20 years ago. I lost like 60 pounds like that I had gained in a relatively short time, just whatever, not eating. I didn't lose hair then. So I don't know. Now they're starting to say maybe like one, because it is a hormone. There's, it's a hormone. Who knows? I would say loss of hair is a big is a big issue. And some people do have nausea and couldn't stay on it. I never really had that, but constipation is a thing. And you have to make sure that you have to make sure you're hydrated. I don't drink enough water. I never did. I, you know, I didn't grow up drinking water. We didn't carry around water bottles in the mm-hmm. 70s. No one was so concerned with your water intake. Oh, we grew up drinking soda and diet you know, tab at the table. So I actually did have a kidney stone like two months ago, which I'd never had Mm. before in my life. It does run in my family. But I think it's because also because I just don't drink enough water, which I'm now trying to. So there are some side effects that people do have and it varies. What about alcohol? Um, I've heard from time to time that people who, and I'm not talking about people who are alcoholics and have real struggle with addiction and alcohol. But those of us who are are socially drinkers when we're out, has that had an adverse effect where where people just know it's like an all or none kind of thing and it's just does not agree with them at all? Or can you socially drink? um, I have to tell you, I have never been a drinker. Uh, somehow, I don't know. I come from eaters, not drinkers. Uh, my parents didn't have a cocktail at five o'clock. We had a mm-hmm. salami. So, <laughs> you know, I love it. So, 
I mean, I'll have a social drink just because it's still, you wouldn't think at this age, there's not peer pressure. But my husband is like the band leader of like, but you know what? If I drank, nobody would drive us home. I got to steer that ship. So, <laughs> right. So, they do have an um, Uber, just for the record. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm always the designated driver, always. But so, but I have heard that people, it does curb your alcohol. But my friends that, that drink still drink. So, it's not really a thing that I hear, but I do hear that it is beneficial. They're looking at it for people that have other addictions. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, right. And that and that's what I was referring to before. But it's interesting because you you said something earlier that the doctor that we had consulted with prior to our last episode said as well, that there's like a critical period. And what I mean by that is that there's like a, a, a point in our brain where we say this is about where our weight is going to be and it's like our natural place that it should be if we weren't overweight. And so knowing that, as you've said, it's kind of slowed down. Your weight loss has slowed down now that you've been on it. Knowing that, do you think you'll ever go off of it or do you think you'll stay on it just to stay at that critical place? Do you think you'll try to go off and then if you deviate too far in the opposite direction, you'll go back on it? What's your feeling about that? I'm going to stay on it. I mean, you know, you. I'm on a maintenance thing now. So like some, you know, it's like every other week I'll take it. Or if I feel like whatever, I'll take it each week until I feel like I'm where I want to be. Um, I'm not kidding myself. I know what's going to happen. You go off of it. Those cravings start again. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is like a drug. I mean, it, you know, you want like as much as you want to say to somebody who's on heroin or crack, like, just stop. That's not a thing. You can't. So it's like that, you know, like, you might eat that turkey sandwich like rolled up with no Russian dressing, but then you go home and eat a sleeve of Lorna dudes. So, you know, like I'm not kidding myself to think that like, cause everyone's like, okay, well now you've lost weight, but you can maintain it. You can maintain it. Well, that's, you're my trainer. And so of course, cause I would be a trainer too, if I didn't have an eating issue, but it's not realistic. You will gain that weight back. Some people don't because they're killing it and fighting themselves and really whatever it is. But I'm not, I know me, I'm going to go back to, because it it's insidious. It creeps mm-hmm. back up. One sleeve of Lorna Dunes turns into potato chips and dip turns into, and I'm a meat and potatoes girl. I don't eat fish. I'm not a, you know, like it's, we didn't, I didn't come from like a, we're all seven. I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm like a seventies kid. I mean, I like yeah, being myself hello. as an eighties mm-hmm. girl. But like, we were not eating, we were not, my mother was not making us quinoa. I mean, it was not. <laughs> TV dinners. TV right. dinners. The only Swan thing healthy on my end that I remember is that, and I, I know I've told the story probably here on Unpolished Therapy, but my father was a practicing dentist. And like, so we were not allowed to have any sugar in the house, which the irony of that is that the restrictions that I had growing up is why I love food so much, mm-hmm. right? My friends to this day make fun of me when I would invite them over. They'd be like, no, because like the best thing in your house is plain Dan and yogurt and a box of raisins. Like there mm-hmm. were no sugar cereals, no Entenmann's cakes lying around, absolutely nothing. And I've said now, and Dr. Broke and I talk about this all the time, the way that I give love or I relate to love as a parent specifically, but in general too, is through food. Because yes. like, really? Thanks for the box of raisins, ma. Like- <laughs> well, and I have the I have a similar story. I grew up with um, a parent with an eating disorder and it was not my mother, which is crazy, right? But now we understand in this generation that 
men have eating disorders. So I had my father who had an eating disorder and restricted our house from everything, no sugar cereals. I didn't even know what a sugar cereal was, right? Nothing. And so what did I do? I went to my best friend's house and her mom was overweight and her mom was putting the daughter on a diet, but yet she kept all the crap in the house, right? So I tried to, I never want to restrict my kids. I've taught them from the beginning, listen, the food is going to be around you all the time, right? When society is not going to take the food away, you go into the food store, it's everywhere. You're going to have to learn that when it's in front of you, you don't have to just keep going into the pantry when you're bored to eat something. You're going to have to sit with the boredom a little bit. And so because you got to find that middle ground there because restricting or having too much, neither one of them, as we've talked about, ad nauseum or whatever the word is, nauseum nauseum on this podcast is no extreme is good, right? I mean, Jen, it sounds like this has been such an amazing second chance for you. I know that's maybe a little bit of um, hyperbole there, but it's like a second chance for you to have the experience of not fighting the devil every day and not shaming yourself and not feeling so uncomfortable in your own skin. And as a psychologist, I I greatly appreciate that as um, a value add to why we would make a choice to put a medication into our body. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be unpolished for one second. I mean, like, thank you for sharing all of this and being the cheerleader and shouting it from the rooftops and being loud and proud. But the unpolished part of me is standing here going, this is the greatest thing ever because when I do go through menopause, I have something that will reverse the effects of it and I'll get through it and I can still be skinny. So I look and at I'm it as sitting, a plus. Right, And I'm sitting exactly. here saying, like, in my head, should I? Shouldn't I? Hmm, really? I don't know. Maybe now. Because I, again, full disclosure, was the one, one of the people who was so critical publicly on the podcast, but also I have no filter being like, what the hell is going on around here? Like we are, look, I had that one post that I put up on Facebook about Hazel the dog who got a very bad haircut and looked like a reindeer. And my post was, this is Hazel. Hazel lives in Boca. She must have gotten into the town stash of Ozempic. And the the thing went bananas because yeah. it's fucking funny, right? Because it's it's the entire world is on Ozempic and it's hard to wrap your head around it. And, you know, now I have all these memories that come back to me, Dr. Boca, when you were saying you would go to your friend's houses for food. I remember, I mean, vividly. I would go to my best friend's house and back in, you know, the 70s and 80s, everyone had like a lazy Susan on their kitchen mm-hmm. table with the stuff, right? It's not major stuff, but napkins and the salt and pepper and maybe some syrup. I, I don't know. There was no lazy Susan because as my mother would say, the kitchen in our house was basically just like a thoroughfare from like the garage to the <laughs> to the den. Like they're just, the, it, the emphasis wasn't really food, I guess, which again, probably plays into some of my relationship issues with food. But I remember vividly being at one of my friend's houses and they had the lazy Susan of stuff and we would have, you know, breakfast or whatever. And I, my eyes would light up because I would be like, oh my God, you have salt. And like, I would like put salt on stuff because that was like a luxury item. Mm -hmm. And I think it does play into what our relationships with whatever our Achilles heel is, whatever our kryptonite may be. And 
I do think on the one hand, especially after having this conversation, the three of us, and also with someone directly who I know that's so open about sharing the journey, you do have more of an understanding and appreciation. And you can't be as much of a naysayer if you're not educated. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's got an opinion and it's easy to have an opinion, but you kind of have to really hear it out and think it through. And, you know, I don't want you buying it, Jen, you know, on the street corner, just because you have a fix for it. I want you to do it through the appropriate channels. But if it's not broken, I'm not going to tell you to try to fix it. Oh, I'll buy it on the street corner if I have to. (laughs) No, but I don't want you to. No, I'm not. I'm not. But I want to just tell you one funny story. But, you know, again, that's everybody's own relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm hearing that maybe you... Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Dr. Boca right now. I'm hearing that like you're, I mean, you're a tiny girl and, but I'm hearing that you struggled with maybe like a food identity, like, and not that you were necessarily so naturally thin, but like, it was something that was in your head that you had to. And I think that sometimes that feeling is pervasive with a lot of people where they feel cheated. And I'm not saying you do, but like, you know, like I have struggled my whole damn life to maintain this weight and I eat right. And I do this and I'm doing it the right way. Who's to say what's the right way? You know, I think that that's what, you know, like that that famous workout girl, J- woman, Jillian, you know, she oh, Jillian out, Michaels, who Jillian she's Michaels, coming down hard on everybody. Jackie Goldschneider, one of the housewives, yep. you know, she had an eating disorder and she's out against it. But you know damn well that if this was available like years ago, she would have been on it. But like, I think people feel like cheated. Like I work, and that's a weird, that's like a weird attitude that I think a lot of people have that they don't really realize they have, which is you didn't do it the right way or you, you know, it's almost like childbirth. No one is there giving you a gold star. If you don't have an epidural, I don't want to be a martyr, whatever you need to give me for me to get at, to get through this in the least amount of pain. Uh, you know, like no one is, has a big open book telling me it's a gold star that I suffered through it. Right. And I think what's really important is I always like the statement is what's right now, Right. What is the right thing now for me? And maybe for Rachel, and I'm just using Rachel as an example, and I'm not saying that this is something Rachel is going to say, she might, is I worked my ass off to go to the gym and to do yoga and to eat properly. And I did it that way. And it worked for many, many, many years because it was the right thing now for me. And Rachel, if you decided that like, oh, you know what? Menopause is kicking my ass and I'm not in the same mindset or the same place in my life anymore. Maybe the right thing now for you is something totally different. And who's to say, like you said, Jen, who's to say that that's not the right way? It's the right way now. And we have to balance that and we have to assess it and we have to not be judgmental and shaming of that possibility. Yes, to both of you. But my answer, and it's not a rebuttal, but my answer in the form of a question would be, isn't that though where the lines get skewed when if we want to lift up those individuals, because the men too, I don't want to leave them out of it, who suffered for years with real overweight and like whatever the clinical obesity, Mm -hmm. you know, percentage of fat makes whatever. That's different than someone like me that would say, oh my God, the seven pounds is I'm tortured over it. Wouldn't I be someone that would be taking advantage? I mean it in the negative way of the quick fix. 
because I don't have 70 pounds. Some days I have five pounds. Some days I have seven pounds. It's how I feel. But wouldn't that be a little bit of an, too much of an aggressive measure? Or am I wrong about that? Is it now like, yeah, you pick it up at, at CVS or you can grab it at Walgreens or that's where I'm confused about the accessibility. So the only thing that I can really relate it to as a therapist is people's choice to go on an antidepressant. Right. There is that gray area where you can say, huh, I can do this totally in therapy and I want to. I can do this and get a quicker fix, maybe, because it does take six, you know, six weeks to kick in, but maybe I'll try the medicine or I'm, you know, and therapy, or I'm just going to do the medication. And they're not so severely depressed. It's more like an adjustment disorder, but they don't want to feel this way anymore. And so I, would say to them, look, I have a bias. Therapy is the way to go for somebody like that. But if they're suffering and we have research out there that supports that these things work, maybe it's enough to get them to baseline so that then they can do the therapy or then they can work out or then they can eat healthy or whatever it is. And who am I to judge? I'm not judging. What what I'm asking, though, is in the beginning, when the craze of a Ozempic and Manjaro came to light, and now it's the mainstream media hot topic morning through night. It was presented, and forget the diabetes aspect Mm -hmm. of it, but from the weight loss perspective, it was for people who had a significant amount of weight to lose. It was BMI over 28. That's what I'm asking. Like, did something change now that, that it is more permissible for someone who like, oh, I have a wedding to go to in three weeks. I have a couple pounds. I want, you know, I have some water weight on me. I'll just inject in Manjaro or because that's the Pete. Like, I didn't think that that's who that was for. And maybe Jen, can you speak to that? Yes. I'm going to say that in the most respectful way, that's a you problem. Meaning that like, that's your own mind telling you that you don't deserve it because it's easier. But the reality is, is you wouldn't not take advantage of something that's going to make your life better. And listen, so you have seven pounds to lose on a particular day or whatever it is. First of all, it's hard to get that medication. And I have friends who have gone to the diet doctor that I had gone to who, who like you had worked really hard their whole life or who lost a lot of weight before it happened. But it's so impossible to maintain it that they said to the doctor, I got here, I got to this finish line, but I can't maintain it. And so maybe they have a, they have a, an injection in their house that they keep. They don't necessarily take it, but if they've gone up a few pounds, they'll take it, they'll get rid of it because they have more maybe of an ability to be successful without it, but maybe somehow a couple of pounds creeped up. You're not able to get it that easily if you have five pounds to lose. I know a lot of people who've been turned down. And that was my question. Like, would a mm-hmm. doctor, even if, you know, I had an Ozempic store next door to me and there it was for full consumption, would a doctor prescribe that for someone who only has a teetering a few pounds here and there? So the reality, though, and this was the information that we got from the doctor that we interviewed, that we didn't interview, but I asked, right? I picked their brain at a Shiva because I'm so classy and unpolished, but or polished, I guess. But what I asked was, like, look at me. Are you giving me Ozempic? And he was like, no, you have to have a BMI of this. He goes, but the workaround is if you show up at your blood test and you're borderline or diabetic, borderline diabetic or diabetic, 
we would make the case that yes, even if it was only 10 pounds or five pounds or seven pounds, that you would be a good candidate for this. So I said, okay, and how do I make myself look pre-diabetic when this is my (laughs) body? And he goes, honestly, go eat a dozen donuts before you show up or go drink some Coke or go do something to bring your sugar level up so that when they draw your blood, but listen, he was honest. He's like, not all doctors are going to do that. They're going to call you out. They're going to retest your blood. He goes, but if somebody comes in and this is what it is, I go by the textbook. This is what it is. I'm going to give them the shot. So there and are. Who, and that doctor was? Uh, yeah, I don't disclose my resources there. But... 1-800, call me now. <laughs> right. And look, I'm not advocating for that at all. So please, to our listeners, I'm not advocating yeah. for that. I would say, Rach, you need to start maybe having a better relationship with your body, right? Going and dealing with some of the underlying things because what we're hearing for you is that food and your relationship with food and body image might be something that we could work with, right? Because when you you have been able, like Jen said, to maintain that weight and that body persona, whatever that is, for many, 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 many years. We also might say, hey, you know, Rach, you're going through menopause right now or the beginnings of it. Maybe we need to balance your hormones and see if some of the residual stuff that's happening right now could come off just by getting your hormones regulated because there are so many other things that are being affected. That might be the better way for you. Could be that we try all of that and nothing's coming and it's bothering you so much that maybe there is a way that we could, like Jen was saying, have that one shot. I don't know. I'm no doctor, no real doctor at least, but there's are levels of holes that you might want to close up before you jump into something because it's not quote unquote recommended for you right now. I also just want to say that, you know, and that, you know, certainly is fair. And, and, you know, you want to have your hormones checked anyway, because when that happens, you want to see what you've lost. And there are plenty of doctors that do hormone replacement therapy. And I have one of my best friends did that, you know, you know, she took the hormones, it didn't change anything weight wise, but she did it. But what I think also is that somehow this became your therapy session, but I think you represent a greater, you know, there's a lot of women who feel Mm -hmm. the way you do. You happen to be on the side. You might've had the same food issues that I had, but I wasn't able to, like you managed, you, you were in control of it most of your life, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't benefit from something that's a little bit easier. You deserve it just as much as the guy who has to lose 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 70 pounds. I felt like I deserved it. I didn't have to justify myself to a 400 pound diabetic. It so happened, by the way, not that a doctor pointed it out to me. I had to find it out myself that I had two years worth of high blood sugar. Not that di- it wasn't, didn't turn into diabetes, but I had to look at my own things. I was like, hey, why do I have a red flag here? No doctor in Florida said to me, hey, by the way, you might want to cut back on your sugar or let's wow. try this. I saw it myself. But what I'm saying is, is you deserve it if it's five pounds or if it's 35 pounds. So if you at some point feel like you need a crutch, I say do it. I mean, I don't mean like I'm pushing you to do that. I'm just saying like in your head, work out that you don't have to do something hard because you're not good enough to, or you need to be good in order to do it, or you have to do it the right way or the hard way. Fuck that. You deserve it. And if, if all of a sudden in menopause or premenopause, things are a little bit harder, 
you deserve it too, even if it's just seven pounds. It's not for anybody else to decide. It's for you to decide. That's my damn girl. That's she's right. running no, over and there right, right now. No, and that's why, honestly, I'm so appreciative you came on because I knew you were going to be the perfect guest, not just for me. And by the way, when you say this turned into my therapy session, hello, welcome to Unpolished Therapy. <laughs> like somehow, all roads lead back to my unpolished brain and how I see things. And as I always say, wherever I go, there I am. Sometimes I can never get out of my own way, and I love being able to hash things out with Dr. Boca. And we love when we have a another unpolished mind that's willing to be as audacious as you are and share because that is how we do change the world. Even if it is just one listener at a time, one conversation at a time, as controversial as this has been, Ozempic and Manjaro, to things that are subliminal, sublime, whatever, everything in between. And that's what we do on Unpolished Therapy. And I really appreciate your candor and sharing your story. And it is a success story. So yes, Mm -hmm. we want to marvel in that. We want to say bravo and bring it on and continue to do whatever it is you're doing. Obviously, our listeners can't see you. We can, and you are beautiful. And you were beautiful 35, 40 pounds ago. But I guess Dr. Boca would back me up on this, that it's the self-esteem. It's our, the love we have for ourselves. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. You have to come up with the try behind the why, right? Or the Mm -hmm. why behind the try. And I advocate for you. And I'm thrilled that you joined us. And I'm going to let Dr. Boca give the final thoughts, but I do want the listeners to know that if anyone has any questions for Jen further, you can always reach out to us and we will get those questions to Jen vis-a-vis, you know, our email on polishedtherapy at gmail.com. But Dr. Boca, I'm going to close it out for you. And Jen, if either one of you have anything else you want to say, to round out the sesh, if you will. I just wanted to say thank you. What is beautiful about you, besides physically you look beautiful and stunning, what really is beautiful is that your inside now matches your outside. And that's what we're picking up on in here. And I think that's the message to Rachel also, that if you don't feel good about yourself and there's a way to feel good about yourself, there's no shame in that. Again, you want to do it with a doctor if that's what you decide to do or any of our listeners decide to do. And if they say to you, no, unfortunately, you can't do it right now, that's okay too. We can close up the other holes. Trust me, as you get through menopause, you'll be a candidate, right? You're going to gain the weight. So you'll be a candidate most likely. But it really are, and, and this is what I advocate in therapy is we have to fill up the chocolate Easter bunny so that we're not hollow inside because that really is where the light comes from. So thank you, Jen, from the bottom of our heart, just to help us understand all of this in a much brighter and less negative light. So thank you so much. And I wish you continued success on the journey. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I hope I helped somewhat. And it was great talking to you guys. I felt like I was just sitting here talking to my college friends. So it was great. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I will also just say publicly, and I'm putting you on the spot, Jen, but you promised me a long time ago that we are still going for our charcuterie and pizza. And I am dunking the bread in the olive oil and the cheese, and we're even going to get the baked clams. And you can ration out however you want, but I'll clean up whatever the leftovers are because that's another thing. I never believed in leftovers growing up because like, God forbid, someone might starve somewhere. That So we're not going to give up our love for food. We're going to work on the love of ourselves and it will disseminate 
illuminate out to all. So Jen, thank you so much, Dr. Boca. Again, I cannot do this even remotely without your wisdom. So I thank you for being here this morning with us. Thank for you. the listeners, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you know how to reach us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Unpolished Therapy. Of course, you can email us. And again, if you have questions for Jen, you can funnel it through that way, unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. Other than that, you know where to find us every Wednesday on the corner of Audacity and Advice. Today, our wheels got spun upside down. I hope yours did too in the best possible manner. And we will see you next week on Unpolished Therapy. Have a good week, everyone. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage. <laughs>